Hello, lovely listeners. Today I have my husband as my guest, Dr. Charles Dane Bowers. I like to brag on him. He's an audiologist with his AUD. He has played a huge part in my journey to self-love. He didn't know me at my lowest points, but he did meet me when I wasn't where I am now, and he was the first person I ever told everything to. He says even in my first book that he read that I had left parts out on purpose. So needless to say, he knows me more than anyone, even more than I knew myself at a time. And he has helped me to realize before I ever truly loved myself or felt worthy of true love that I should at least begin considering it because someone else did. When we first fell in love, I remember he told me in the dreamiest way you could imagine with snot and tears pouring down my face that one day all the holes in my heart would be filled and that he would love me as hard as he could till they were. And he fulfilled that promise and continues to love me deeply. Being loved by this man has been good for me, to say the least. So my journey isn't typically what you would read about in self-help books. I did not first love myself before I found love. But I had come a long way. A long enough way, I suppose. I was living on my own, making six figures when we met. I knew how to take care of myself finally. But I was a legit nut job in pretty packaging. Am I right? (laughs) We got to get into that today. You know we do. (laughs) Okay, so let's start. What did you think about me when we first met? Uh, Well... So I remember our first date, um, that we had been talking online for a little bit and we met at the restaurant. I watched you walk in and I thought, Ooh, she's, she's hot. <laughs> and, um, then I started talking to you and it felt like a normal date at first. Um, <laughs> then a, a couple of drinks in, you did start crying, um, <laughs> really relatively early on in our relationship. You were already crying and, and telling me all kinds of things about your uh, breakup with your ex-fiance. Um, I guess I probably should have ran for the hills. <laughs> but I didn't. I did smell the crazy a little bit. But <laughs> I mean, I did smell the crazy. But it, it, I, for whatever reason, I just kind of embraced the crazy and just thought like, um, uh, this. there's something about her. There's something about this, this lovely young woman that um, is going to make it worth it. So I didn't run for the hills or... And I did uh, cancel another date um, so that I could take you to uh, the reservations I had uh, the next week. So. Yes, that is correct. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. And I broke the rules with him because I had this insane rule that anybody had to reach out to me first. I was so sensitive to rejection or even sniffing the potential rejection that I never uh, pursued anybody not because I didn't want to in the past, you know, 12 years or whatever, but just because I was trying to avoid that uh, rejection. So with him, what made it different with him is the next day I texted him first and I was like, good morning or something or another. I knew he was headed on a flight with his boss um, to, uh, he traveled for work quite a bit back then. So anyway, um, that's that. Um, One of the reasons I wasn't in many relationships from 21 to 32 when I met Dane was because of all my triggers. It was, you know, a big deal in the past relationship too. Um, It's just, I mean, I'll get into that. I mean, we're probably about to get into that. How did you feel about those triggers, Dane? Well, well, first, I I didn't even know that you broke a rule to text me first. I didn't remember that you texted Mm -hmm. me first. I probably would have texted you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Triggers. Oh, well, (laughs) <laughs> everything was a trigger. I, I think, you know, uh, me speaking was a trigger. To other uh, women. Or to you or anyone else. I, I feel <laughs> other like, girls, other girls, yeah, other girls. Yes. For those listening, she used to just 
constantly batter me about other girls. And I'm like, what are you talking about other girls? What other girls? Um, so it would be a funny thing. He'd be like, other girls, other girls, other, other girls. girls. Yeah, because <laughs> it was just a constant barrage of like, and I, I really didn't understand because I didn't understand right. you yet. Right. I didn't understand where you were coming from or what your childhood or, or why those jealousy problems that you had because the jealousy problems weren't me doing something wrong or even you being jealous of the other girls. <laughs> it was more so like you just didn't feel like you were worthy of my affection and you thought that I was going to find out if I talked to other other <laughs> girls that they were a better match for me or that I would like them more. And that was just not going to be the case. I was really the only thing that was ever going to make me want another girl is you not leaving me alone about other girls. <laughs> uh, it's funny because... We would you would be triggered by things that wouldn't make any sense to me. Like, uh, um, why haven't you texted me back while I was out of town? And I'm like, it's literally been two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening here? Because I I really didn't understand. Like yeah. sometimes I would think like I think she's joking. Um, <laughs> oh. There was there was one time <laughs> I remember um, you had like certain things that would make you feel more comfortable. Like as soon as I woke up, if I texted you good morning and. Right. And told you how I felt and mm-hmm. what I was doing and when I was leaving my room and, you know. You had to call me before meetings. Yes. Those now kinds I'm of like, things. do not wake me yeah, up yes. with a phone call. Yes, you've gotten better. But I, I remember, so I was real proud of myself for this too and, and it really backfired on me. So I was texting you good morning and mm-hmm. I kind of um, was going through and I don't even remember what I was typing. But whatever I typed, one of the things that would pop up like is like an auto little symbol Mm -hmm. was like a blue heart and I was like oh Oh, I'll send her the blue heart yeah so I sent the blue heart (laughs) after whatever I said was and then like I'm getting ready to go downstairs and I was at actually a government services regional training and um I was going downstairs and and I get a text back and you're like well obviously you've been texting other girls (laughs) and I was like why and you were like the heart's blue and I was like I, I really, I thought, because, like, you've been, like, so crazy before, mm-hmm. I thought you were making fun of yourself. <laughs> I thought you were being playful. So, I was like, ha-ha, or whatever. <laughs> and then you were like, I don't, you you, I you kept going, out. and I started to understand, like, she's not Why playing <laughs> on the outside, too. Um, she's not playing. I was like, what, what, I don't, like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm sorry that the heart is blue and not red. And like, I didn't even understand until like years later why that would mean I was texting other girls because that, that never made sense to me. Do you me. want me to explain it? You know, well, yeah, you're going to explain to them because even though <laughs> you told me not too long ago and I understood, I've already forgotten because it mm-hmm. doesn't make tons of sense. But really, it just automatically popped up. And all I did was think like, well, she likes hearts. So blue, I w- in my mind at the time, I was convinced he that could only pop up since he said it just populated if he'd used it with other people before. And I was thinking he's not going to use it with other men and he has a ton of women he works with so maybe he's just has these conversations with women where he uses the blue heart because that's the only way it could just like pop up and I was like you would have to type in blue heart for a blue heart to come up but since then like five years later or whatever we've sat beside each other and he said look see blue heart came up and I didn't type in blue heart I didn't say blue heart like it, 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 it just came up so I picked it it was the first thing but our thing was after that I think it was like a special red heart and that was like oh yeah. always and not the pink one the red. oh gosh 
yeah. It had to be the same pink heart, yeah. So, well, you know, what's really funny is you just said that years later, but it wasn't years later. Even while you were freaking out, mm-hmm. you typed exactly what I typed and the blue heart popped up. Right. But it still didn't fix your No, because I was typing blue heart and that's why it popped up. Well, no, you typed whatever I typed no, and it popped up. No, that was yes, like years later. No, nope, it wasn't. Nope, it was that day, nope. I promise. Well, maybe. I don't remember that. Well, no. I certainly do. Well, you weren't with me to know. Uh, yeah, because you told me, though. <laughs> no, I told you a long time later. No, you told me that you did it. All right. <laughs> Moving on. We're going we're to argue the whole podcast. Gosh, we're already an old bickering couple. Okay. So, what did... Okay. Do we want to talk about that anymore? Any more triggers? Uh, well, let's talk about just, all the triggers. I was say, you just had a lot of triggers. Like, I mean, you had women triggers. Women can relate to this. Maybe you, not to my intensity well, of them. but you, you had triggers with jealousy because you always felt like people were going to leave you because mm-hmm. in your childhood, um, you had a lot of turmoil and change, yeah. you know, with um, your mom mm-hmm. being married several times yeah. and your dad moving several right. states away, all that kind of stuff made you feel like you were never fully a part of something and it was always going to change and that was always going to... Yeah, kind of like an orphan-ish. And then sometimes I think maybe that helped you with your... Not helped you, that helped you... That made you feel like you weren't ever good enough to belong, right? And that's why your jealousy was there too. So this feeling that everybody was always going to leave, like like if I ever got irritated or mad, you were like, he's going to leave. And sometimes you... You would think that people would be like, nice, I don't want him to leave, I'll be nice. But you would be mean because you were like, well, if he's going to leave, I think he needs to have a good reason. <laughs> and as we're sitting here talking, I'm my eyes are tearing up. So this is something that I'm still like healing from. And I don't even know if it's, I don't even know exactly what it is. Because I would have girlfriends be like, but Celia, you're pretty or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's, that has nothing to do with it. Because they would try to say there's... Never, he would have no reason to leave you, but it. Whenever you feel what I feel inside, and I know other people have felt this way, because um, I've read enough of the internet to know I'm not alone. <laughs> it's just it's so overwhelming. Like logic doesn't cover it. Logic doesn't make it any better. No, yeah, <laughs> I wish logic did because you know I'm a logical most, person, yeah. and I, I would try to spew logic at you, and then you would spew back like. I mean, I crazy is mean. I don't. I learned. I also learned <laughs> crazy. Learned crazy, crazy is also one of her triggers. I know we've already used that <laughs> word several times since we started this. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, don't call her crazy. That's for the listeners out there. Um, she doesn't love that. And don't tell me to calm down. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are the two <laughs> things I've learned when she's freaking out. Don't say calm down. But I've also learned that's just something you just don't say to people that are right. fired up. Even yeah. though, like, really, what you need to do is probably calm down. Right. But um, we won't go there. Um, so, and, and I make mistakes with you too, because as much as I already understood this, because I've had other people in my life with similar issues and I understood your past because you would tell me sometimes it would be really frustrating. Cause like I didn't deserve all the, uh, turmoil and, and stress that you would cause during these situations. Yeah. Like when I texted you a blue heart, like I didn't deserve to have my day ruined when I was going to have to go downstairs and do my job with all right. those customers and try to get through my day with like a smile on my face now, when but... really I had all kinds of stress on me because you were flipping out and texting me a hundred thousand messages that were like, you know, not so nice. And, <laughs> and I, you know, like... so I would get frustrated, yeah. you know, because I would try to logic. I'd be like, Hey, because, you know, sometimes my, my first instinct during those times was just go, hey, I love you. There's there's no reason to fight about this. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I'm sorry that the heart was not red. Beautiful joke. <laughs> you, I remember you sent me that. What is it? That emoji where you create that where the glasses and the hair. Uh, what are those called? Um, the bitmojis. Yeah, bitmoji. You sent me like a bitmoji, like where you were smiling and trying to cut up. And I was. This was like at 3 p.m. and this had happened at 8 in the morning. And I was like, nope, I am still upset. And he was like, yes. seriously? And I was like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I don't um, wish that crazy on anybody, and I'm so thankful. <laughs> I'm so thankful. But, okay, so how do we get past that? He basically catered. He um, probably, I guess, would say the only person that catered to my, you know, baggage, trauma, like, deep-seated issues. Yeah, I just, I just tried to be understanding because, you know... Um, Anxiety runs in my family, mm -hmm. and I feel it. I have it for certain things. And I know how overwhelming that anxiety can be because I've, I've felt that overwhelming anxiety to want to text a million times or whatever it is yeah. you would do and <laughs> release your frustration that mm -hmm. you were feeling. Um, now, usually when I have it, it's for better reasons than, you know, a blue yeah. heart or something. That's why I would get frustrated because I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, um, I, I didn't want you to feel that way and right. I wanted you to be happy. And so like, I kind of mistakenly thought that like, if I just showed you how to love correctly mm -hmm. and showed you that I wasn't going anywhere and that I wasn't going to do those other stuff that, um, you would be able to just like let it all go and f feel that way and just kind of reciprocate. But that wasn't what it is because the first thing you had to do was feel worthy of that love and feel all that. And even though I can try to help get you there, really you have to feel it. It's not right. just me telling you. You have to say like, hey, I didn't score that very good-looking man for the people listening that can't <laughs> see me. Um, that everyone yeah. always tries to come up to him and get his autograph thinking he's Mark Wahlberg. Uh, and I'm like, so. I'm the one that likes attention and he's the one that doesn't like why this is like the universe just kind of laughing at me, <laughs> me being like, yeah, Celia. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's him. Everybody's always coming up to him and thinking he's Mark Wahlberg. Anyway. Yes. Um, yes. I think a visual. You'll have to look her up <laughs> yeah. on Instagram and Facebook and like it and follow. <laughs> There'll be pictures of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't do anything on Instagram or Facebook, but yeah. Um, so, you know, you had to like stop putting me on a pedestal and realize that like yeah, um, I did have you on. I was pedestal. getting a good catch too. Yeah, and that you were worthy, and then you could have that kind of love back and not feel the jealousy and not get mad at me every time I like you know looked in another direction and there happened to be another person standing there or if like, um, right. I did that even after we had kids. Cause I got yeah. better. Obviously whenever I got pregnant, that helped when we got married, that helped. We got married right before, um, we had the children. So I was technically married when we had the children, but I was very pregnant. Um, and he gets very offended if you joke around at being about it being a shotgun wedding because, I did not marry you because we were right. pregnant. Yeah. Even though, just so everyone knows, that was a very, like, deep trigger for me for a long time because in my, I felt <laughs> that he did. And, um, you know, he's convinced me since that he didn't. But, you know, I dealt with that for a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and I'm sure you'll want to get in this later and I'll wait till you bring it up. But the, the, the time that you're talking about, like, getting jealous after you were had the babies about oh, me looking in another direction, you were very drunk. 
No, that was at the Dairy Queen. We've been to a Dairy Queen? Yeah. I've never been to a Dairy Queen, so <laughs> no, I don't we know what you're in, talking about. I know. This, this time, I'm remembering I was sober, which makes it crazier, and we can talk about me, the drunk stuff, but um, sober, it was like this lady that had walked by, and she was like getting a drink, and she was attractive. Oh, yeah. You, we had the kids there. Yeah, we had the kids there, and just like glance in her direction, and I was like, do and you I always even, have to do But that? I didn't even know that an attractive woman had walked by yeah. that time. Yeah. I, th- I was actually talking about the, your Christmas party. Uh, three or four years ago um, when we were at the hamburger place and everybody was dancing and you thought that I oh, had God. danced um, with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that time is what I was talking about. But, um, I, and I do, I think that the drinking mm-hmm. amplifies all um, those triggers all the, yeah. because um, you're, they were headline <laughs> triggers. They, they went off pretty easy and when you start to I drink, mean, I feel like you pull your own triggers and like, yeah, force them. it's true. It's true. Um, for those, we'll get into this, but I, I don't drink anymore. And I wasn't an alcoholic ever, but with my issues, it does not serve me at all. I am not my best self or anything like that. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you next, um, I guess we're kind of going to skip ahead. What? It, okay, so we go through, we get together. Six months later, I'm pregnant with twins. We have the twins. We're married. Um, I put on a little bit of weight. I lose the weight. I start going to Orange Theory. I become really good at Orange Theory and start getting my confidence back. I do triathlons. And then I come to you and I say, uh, I want to compete in a beauty pageant. How did you feel whenever I said that? And what did you think at first? Well, <clears throat> knowing so all my issues. Your journey to like finding comfort with yourself has gone through several stages. There's the stage that you went through as a teenager and um, as a late teenager and then through your mid-twenties. And then when you met me, you were in a certain place. And we've kind of described that place already. And then you uh, you switched jobs right before the boys were born. Mm-hmm. Um, you switched careers, not jobs. Yeah, that's You switched true. complete careers. And with your new career, you've gained some self-confidence because of your success in that career. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when that gave you more confidence, you uh, started doing the triathlon. Well, you actually started doing Orange Theory. That's right. And you kind of, um, for those that don't know Celia, she's a Orange Theory superstar, <laughs> you know, so she's always doing like the competitions at Orange Theory mm-hmm. and winning and that gave her more confidence. Um, <clears throat> and then that confidence led to triathlons and then, that led to jumping into the pageant. So when you started to jump into the pageant, I got nervous. And I got nervous about the pageant because not that there's anything wrong with pageants, it's just that I worried because of some of the things you've done in the past that like you were going to put all your self-worth into this pageant mm-hmm. and not just like and and I what did. I mean by that is if I don't win, I'm worthless. And if I do, I'm worthy. And if I, and if I win, then I'm a queen, yeah. which technically if you win, you are a queen. <laughs> but um, I was just worried that you wouldn't see it for what it was as a way to go out and show your confidence and walk across mm-hmm. the stage and feel good that you tried something that is outside of your comfort zone. Right. And the stress of all that could be very bad for you. Mm-hmm. And when you went to the local level... 
and you went out there and you really put your heart and soul into it. You strutted the stage very confidently. It wasn't too much on you for the mm-hmm. little bit of time that you had to prepare for it because you really only had a very I short two, amount of time. I had like two yeah. weeks. And it went really well. Mm-hmm. And it did give you that great confidence. And you did like kind of blossom into like this beautiful person. And I thought, you know, maybe I was wrong. Oh, how um, did you feel during the evening gown? Oh, I, I did. I, and it was like our song, too. Yeah. Um, during your evening gown part of the, the competition, when you walked out on stage, I just, I had never seen you move so gracefully and with such, like, confidence. And it was just really beautiful and poised. He's getting teary. Yeah. He's getting teary. Don't tell people. <laughs> um, and it was it was very moving to watch mm-hmm. because, like, you could just see you, you, you were glowing and you felt how you looked. And I just really love seeing you feel that way because that's how I see you. And so that was the first time I've ever seen you or obviously feeling way. about yourself yeah. the, way that I, the way that I see you. So it was very moving. And uh, um, I've, I've never enjoyed a pageant, <laughs> but I did enjoy that one. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> the one I did not enjoy was the, the national one. And that was because... There was a lot of pressure and stress. You had like eight and you weeks had to prepare. So long to prepare and you were putting it on top of yourself and like you really kind of flipped out. And well, until we get there, let me ask yeah. you this question. I want to talk about that too. But in between state and nationals, and just to give you guys a timeline, this was August of 2021 until the end of August. It was like August 28th till November 21st of 2021. So it was about eight weeks. Um, do you remember... Whenever I was telling you about how I would just be driving down the road and all of a sudden I'd start crying out of nowhere for no reason. Um, But the only way I could articulate what it was is I'd constantly had these feelings that I wasn't worthy. And when the crown was placed upon my head, whenever I was told I was worthy and all and like physically, like... It was like those words about myself, it's like they were being forced to die. I've looked this up and it's kind of like cognitive dissonance, imposter syndrome. I was like going at war with my own soul because my reality was shifting. And I remember um, I was telling you about it and I was just kind of confused. And I just kind of wanted you to tell tell the listeners because so in case anybody else has gone through this so they feel seen as well. Can you pretend I'm telling you again about this and tell me kind of what you said back to me whenever I told you I was experiencing this and these well, emotions. You kind of had told me you were crying, you know, feeling it overwhelmed. And I, I thought like, well, of course you're feeling overwhelmed. You've thought one way about yourself for so long, right? Because even though you had had successes and you had done things in life. And, I scored and you. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I thought it, yeah. Anyway. But even, even you had... Even with your successes in in business and in life, you still sometimes felt like that 18, 19-year-old girl that was making tons of mistakes that everybody thought wasn't ever going to make anything of themselves and was just going to be stuck in this darkness, this black hole that you were living in. Yeah. Yeah. And and so in your head, sometimes you're still like, that's who I am at, at my core, even though that was never who you were at your core. Who you are is who you are, not necessarily your actions because people mess up and people get stuck in places and there are outside circumstances that make that so when everybody put that crown on when they put that crown on your head and everyone says like 
she's gorgeous, sees something, it's an overwhelming feeling. They're like, oh no, I'm not what I've always thought I was. And everybody thinks this of me. And I've always thought they thought this. And that can just be overwhelming. So of course, like, it's like letting it out. Like, you needed to cry because you were mourning the fact that, you know... The your old self was gone, like you didn't yeah. feel like you were that person anymore. I couldn't, and be. it turns out you never really were, <laughs> no. and it was just overwhelming to you. Yeah. And there's, there's, I think that that's a, nor- a normal emotional response to having that process right happen. I I say it this way, you know, that the pageant unveiled like another layer of healing, and it did with state. And then, of course, it did with nationals as well. Do you want to say go back to what you were saying yeah. about the, the problem with nationals? And I don't know what all aspects you want to get into, but there were certain pressures and certain. And people. this is yeah. I want and here's the thing. I want to do it again. And how do you? Feel, how about let's go with that. What do you, What do you want from me in order for you to feel safe and not worry about me competing again? Well, for you to do it again. You have to already feel worthy. And you have to get into the pageant for the right reasons. It's not to be more beautiful or to compare yourself to these other women. Or have to win. These other beautiful, successful women. Because everybody in that pageant is beautiful and successful in their own way. Right. And you don't need to compare or be better than them to be great yourself. You need to go into it for the reasons of like... I enjoy walking across that stage. I want to show everybody how I've grown. I want the empowerment and I want the platform and I want to be able to tell people my story so that they don't fall into the same pitfalls. Cause like, even if I save one other person, then wow, that's so big. Cause someone doesn't have to go through what you went through. Right. So that way, if you go in thinking that way, and it doesn't stress you out because you don't care about the result. Exactly. Then, because the result isn't what you want from it. What you want from it is that empowerment and that right. those feelings. If you go into it with that aspect, it's a beautiful thing. Right. But when you go into it and there's somebody involved with the pageant that's telling you your smile's not right because you need surgery on your lip, <laughs> you know, or you, or this girl can't win with that nose. Yeah. Or those kinds of things, like it would turn my stomach. Right. And, and... The, some of the, the, there's nothing wrong with being competitive, mm-hmm. but you should never like be so competitive that you can't like be around other people and some of that stuff and all that stress would get to you. Yeah. And that, because of where you were in life at that time, that would make you want to drink or want to go out and right. do things or quit living your um, exercise lifestyle that's really kind of keeps you from stuff yeah because it keeps you out of depression right Right. because you have a tendency to to have depressive stretches yes and exercise is one way that you help yourself feel better right and um you're in a completely different place than you were when you started that journey into the pageant world but those stresses really kind of made you spiral so (laughs) it's not that i hate pageants i i I really don't care for certain people within (laughs) That's yeah. things but right. um I think that changes and gets better too with right yeah with time mm-hmm. and as long as you have a different outlook on why you're going into it and what it's about I think it'll all be yeah a different experience exactly. one that you can actually slow down and enjoy mm-hmm. rather than start to hate life for about 2 months yeah. and to the point where you were ready to explode with negativity and did explode yeah. with negativity. Well, getting into that in a second. Um, so 
one thing I want to say about the pageant. There was another one, and I didn't compete this year. And I made a post saying something to the effect that, you know, I've had you know almost like the FOMO feeling because you want you. It's like you know you're going to be there again someday. You want to be there, but like now is just not your time. And the girl that um, I competed with at uh, the national level, she won and then went on to win Mrs. World. And she had left a comment under my post saying, you know, she did the same thing. Like she competed, you know, I think like seven years prior or something like that. And, you know, placed top 15 like I did, but kind of just felt like there was unfinished business and then goes back. But she made sure that she was healed and do like at the right place. And I haven't talked to her in depth to know, you know, what all that looks like. And it doesn't matter, but I just felt like she understood what how I felt, and she respected my decision to hold off because I'm I'm not gonna do it until I know that it's for the right reason because I can't let it break me again. And the same way with my book too. I talked to my therapist about my book. I can't. I'm I'm writing this book, and it's for the process, and it's for you know helping the one person. If I go in like it has to be a bestseller. If I if I'm going in like I have to win the national title, then I'm going to, I'm probably setting myself up for disappointment because if I win, great, but then eventually that'll wear off. But if I don't win, I'm going to be devastated because that is what happened after nationals. I was, I went into a deep, dark hole and I'll tell you how bad it was. They tell you that there's such a thing as pageant hangover. So that's everybody. Everybody experiences it after because you're on for, you know, 10 or 11 days. But when I came home, I didn't even like, it makes me, I didn't see my children for like 10 or 11 days and I didn't even like want to get out of bed to go see him for breakfast. It was, it was bad. Like I didn't even want to be a mom. And, um, but I, what it did, this is why it was a good thing. And this is why I say pageants are good. If, if you remain true to seeking the truth about yourself and not scared of what you find inside, because it really does unearth your insides. I finally, for the first time, went and um, took my doctor's advice that had been advising me for years, my psychologist, that I needed that she's like you have, what is it, major depressive disorder or something. And I just always like if I exercise enough, if I do this, if I do that, da 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 da, I can control it. But it hit me to a point where I just, I couldn't. And I started taking medication very you know, not a large dose or anything, and, you know, all I know is it's been on an upwards path ever since. Um, were you going to say anything about that? Uh, no, I think, <laughs> I think you about covered it, because you were, like, on a, in you, a dark place, and right. a self-destructive place, too. So, let's talk about your opinion on medication, and then now your opinion now, because you weren't for me, like, all these years that I wasn't taking it, you were not... You thought that I could, you thought like me, that I could do enough and I could, we don't have to be, like we are strong enough to fight this sort of thing, but do you feel it's helped me since I've taken it? Oh, yeah. Well, In what ways? I, well, I think it's helped you, but I think that, you know, and uh, those medications don't, they're not magic pills, right? You don't right. swallow them and all of a sudden feel better. Right. Um, you have to make the changes that you chosen to start making right and finally. seeing things from <laughs> certain perspectives and like yeah. really like embracing the fact that you have a problem because you also would argue that you didn't have a problem for a very long time yeah because then i would have to stop and it was really <laughs> yeah. 
And it was really hard for me too, because like, uh, your depression isn't like, even though you couldn't get out of bed and that's something that people typically describe depression as, it wasn't like you were sad or you were whatever, you were mean and cold and, um, angry and, you know, talking to your therapist and, or our therapist and having her explain to me that like, you know, depression isn't always just like what you think of a depressed. Some people express it as anger. And then that made a whole lot of sense to me. I'm like, wow, she's depressed a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I I just thought, you know, well, all I ever want to do is help. And the, you mentioned the medication thing and not to get into other people's business, but I've, I've just been around a lot of people that have taken different kinds of medications that, um, and you can get into that. Yeah. uh, That really, were bad and abused and knowing you and how you tend to abuse medications and those types of medications I had already seen you abuse. Like you had borrowed like Xanax from other people. No, I had a prescription. You still borrowed them from other people. You you did. Um, My old boss's birthday was one of our... That was my prescription. Oh yeah. Okay. No, that was on it. That was another time I lost yeah. my. And you cool. were but drinking and you birthday. took several of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. He's yeah. right. <laughs> he's got the times confused when I had borrowed for them from somebody. But yes, he's correct. I did. Um, and so I'd seen you abuse those, and I thought that's what you were trying to get. Mm-hmm. And you know. Well, uh, no, we talked about yeah, I know, and and and, and, and what presence, it is, but I would confuse okay. them. I would All right. Them so a tell bit. them about your trigger with medication. Just uh, benzos. Well, this wasn't even, you just thought. Yeah, yeah my trigger, but I, I would confuse the two. Okay. You know, in my head, I, I would confuse the two because they can be used for, both be used for anxiety. And um, I just, I have family and stuff that have been prescribed benzos. And then there's also a lot of talk about antidepressants and how they can make you be unfeeling. And you were already so unfeeling at times. Right. Like you were so cold at times. I didn't. You know, I didn't really want to be with somebody so cold. But what I didn't know then that I learned through this process is like your coldness and your anger wasn't because you're, you know, cold. Yeah. It's because you were depressed. And depressed makes you do that. And if you take this medication and you're not depressed, Mm -hmm. even though antidepressants can make some people feel that way, it's a small percentage. Right. And it would actually solve your problem of being cold. And as soon as I was told that, I was all for it. My dad is a medical or an MD and he... He also talked to you about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And got you on board. And then, so we were all on board. And then I took it. And in what ways do you feel like it's helped me? In what ways? Or do you notice a difference? Oh, I noticed a difference after a couple of weeks. Um, you noticed a difference after you put the pill on your tongue. Because, like, you know, placebo effect is, is hard well, for you. Well, they had me on that other one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 For, like, you a had, day. And yeah. I was like, I can't do that. You didn't I, like it I texted one of my good friends. Um, hopefully, he'll be on my podcast at some point. I've got to uh, talk to him about it. But he kind of knew when I was going through this darkness. I mean, he even set me aside one day. And he was like, Celia, it's going to affect your business. He was like, it's not affected it yet. But the drinking it's it's gonna it's gonna affect it and at this point I was like really depressed and we had gone out to lunch and um he just I forgot what I was even saying (laughs) he just told you it was gonna affect your business and you need to get under control right because that oh no no no. and then I was telling him that I'd started taking it and he was like 
are you okay? And I was like, I'm literally experiencing every single side effect. I've got to quit. He was like, Celia, you've <laughs> taken it a day. Just stick with it. And I was like, okay. Because first the doctor gave me like, she was like, one you'll feel immediately. And she was like, the other, it's going to take several weeks. But the one that I felt immediately, it was like, I think I kind of like did my own doctoring. I was like, I'm going to stop taking that after the day because of all the side effects. And then all the side effects went away. It was just like, if you Google the side effects, I had all of them. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, I think for three, probably for three weeks, every day or every other day, I would have that similar conversation with you. You have to let it, you have to let it take effect. But one way that I know off the top of my head that it's helped me is that whenever something bothers me and we get stuck on a subject, I don't even when we were bickering earlier, if I like felt passionate about the fact that I was right or there was a sense of like fairness or justice, I would I would drill it home and we would just it would turn into like huge fights because I just he was like Celia you need to learn how to like eat shit sometimes. I didn't know how to do that. I I I and like now I'm getting better. I'm just like more I just I'm not so in Tense, I guess. Is that what it is? What is it? I don't know. You just let stuff go. You don't have to hold on to it. But you still do that. I mean, because all those things aren't just that. It's also a bit of your personality. It's what makes you such a great mortgage lender. Like, it makes you do all that. So I don't necessarily want to change it. But just like every now and again, it would be like great to like, hey, let it go. Who cares? This is stupid. It's not worth fighting over. Right. For either one of us. That happens to me now. I'm able to do that. So no, we just got to get you to learn to say I'm sorry. Oh gosh, I've I feel like I've gotten better at <laughs> you know, that. You said it once the other day. Remember, I was so surprised. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's about. I've got I'm working on my ego and all those sorts of things. I've I've got a ton, ton of work left to do. We I've, all do, right? And that's what I'm coming to, and that's why I'm thinking. You know, this podcast doesn't ever have to end because, you know, yes, this is my journey to self worth and healing, and yes, I'm at this point where. People could put me on a pedestal, but if you really get into my heart, you you realize I still have healing to do. And if we were all just honest with each other, if we had an outlet for that conversation or if there was some kind of support group everybody could be a part of, like they would learn that literally all of us, every single person, you know, Dane told me one time, the most normal person sitting beside me he was like you know everybody's crazy some people are just better at hiding it right sure i think you might (laughs) be the first person that's ever called me normal (laughs) he's very normal to me (laughs) so anyway well i think that'll be wrapping us up for this episode unless you can think of anything else we want to touch on no i'm sure i'll be back on here to describe you're crazy again right as we peel back the layers because you know we're just scratching on the surface here and uh, i have people in mind for my podcast if I ask you, I hope you'll be able to join me because this is kind of how it's going to go. It's all going to, if I've asked you, it's because I've either read your book or you've been my friend in real life. You've influenced me for the better. And I'm definitely going to have a touching reason as to why you're coming on. So I look forward to more talks with you all. And I hope this finds you well. Till next time. I look forward to (laughs) continuing to be a part of your journey to um, self-love. Yeah. And self-worth. And self-worth. Both of them. All right. Love you guys. Bye.